Well, as we uh, enter into worship this morning, we're going we're gonna to go to God in prayer. And so let's pray together. God, yours is the name that matters to us this morning. That name that you gave to Moses as he stood before you in the fiery bush. The name that we cannot even pronounce because we don't know how to pronounce it. But it is that name that you gave to us and said, now do not use this in vain. Do not use my name in vain. And so we worship that name. Uh, the breath that enters our, our lungs and, and sustains us, the, the very spirit that you gave to us is that name. We are so thankful for your son, Jesus Christ, who came to us uh, so that we might have a name to pronounce, uh, a hand to hold, a meal to partake in that reminds us of the body and blood, we are thankful that he came to point the way and to show us what you are really like. And now we know. We knew in part before, but now that Jesus has arrived, we know what you're like. And what we find is that you are a giving God, self-sacrificing, ready to forgive, merciful, slow to anger, steadfast and faithful to us, even when we are not faithful to you, God, our God. We don't deserve that. We don't deserve that. And yet you say it's a free gift. Just receive it. It's who I am. And so we come to this place this morning saying thank you first and foremost. And secondly, saying we failed you this week. We know that we have done some things that are not worthy of you, not worthy to be attached to your name. Things that we have done and left undone that we are ashamed of. And so we're grateful this morning that you also say, name those to me, and they're gone. And so we name them to you this morning. We admit that we have failed you. We ask you to strengthen us in this service particularly, so that when we head out back out those doors uh, and go into this spring break week as the kids get out of school, that we won't forget what you have done for us. That we might just lean into you as you call us to be the hands and feet of Jesus in the world. Thank you for your forgiveness. Lord, we also have things that are burdening us this morning because we have loved ones, we have friends, relatives. There are situations in the world that are bleak right now. And these are things that are keeping us up at night. And you ask us to uh, give those things to you and take the yoke of Jesus because uh, his yoke is light and gives rest to our souls. And so you don't want us to be losing sleep over these things. And so as an act of faith, as an act of courage, we want to call these out to you right now. And in doing so, not only are we asking you to hear our prayer, but symbolically we are giving them to you. We are handing them to you and saying, here, we trust that you know what is best and you take care of these. Help us to release these into your care as you hear our prayers. Mike and Chris Mark. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Brian Turner. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Carol Turner. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Brett Walker. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Jennifer Matthews. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. My mother. 
Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. 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 J. Paul. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Emily and Baby Larson, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Father, I'm sure that there are unspoken prayers this morning. We give those to you as well. Take these, work toward the good of all of them because we love you and your Bible tells us that that's exactly what you do, that you take and work good, making lemonade out of lemons. We're asking you to make some awesome lemonade this morning. Help us to release these and not to worry about them. As we continue to sing, as we read the scriptures, as I bring a word, we pray that it would glorify you in all things. Thank you for showing up this morning. We are here for you. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Invite our children to come forward for our children's time, our young or our young at heart. And grandparents, y'all can come too if you need to. <laughs> well, good morning, guys. How are y'all this morning? You want to come too? You can come up. Think about it. That's okay. Let us know if you change your mind. Well, guys, I wanted to ask you, um, I know Miss Caitlin has been talking to y'all in Sunday school about parables. Do y'all remember what a parable is? Nope. <laughs> it's all right. A pair of bulls. Yeah, two cows. Um, a parable is a story that teaches us some lessons about Jesus or about heaven, um, something that helps us understand the Bible a little bit better. And today's parable is about a great big party. And so during Sunday school, y'all talked about what does it take to get ready for a great big party? So if you were planning your best friend's birthday party, what things would you be sure to have ready for that party? Decorations. Decorations. What else? Zip lines. A zip line. I like your thinking. What else? Food. Food. Plates. Napkins. Right. All the things that you need for a party. Now, how would you tell people to come to that party? Invitations. So we'd send out an invitation. So today's parable is about a king who gets a great big wedding feast ready. Um, and he has a great big barbecue. He's got the food. He's got the invitations. He's got everything ready. And at first, nobody comes to the party. How, does that, how do you think that made the king feel? Uh, mad and sad. Mad and sad, yeah. But then he goes and he goes out into the street and he invites everybody into the party and then the party is full how do you think that made the king feel happy happy yeah. happy very happy very happy because parties are more fun when they're shared with everybody right and we are going to learn a little bit more about how that is like the kingdom of heaven today during our sermon and during children's church are you guys ready to head back to children's church with me all right before we do would you pray with me let's pray Dear God, thank you for loving us. 
thank you for inviting us to your great big party. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, guys, let's head on back to Children's Church. Let's pray. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as these scriptures are read and a word proclaimed, we may receive with joy what you have to say to us today. Amen. So our reading today comes from the Gospel of Matthew. We are in the chapter 22, and we are reading 1 through 14. Listen now for a word from the Lord. Once more, Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his slaves to call those who had been invited to the wedding banquet, but they would not come. Again, he sent other slaves, saying, Tell those who have been invited, Look, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they made light of it and went away, one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his slaves, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his troops, destroyed those murderers, and burned their city. Then he said to his slaves, The wedding is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go, therefore, into the main streets and invite everyone you find to the wedding banquet. Those slaves went out into the streets and gathered all whom they found, both good and bad. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing a wedding robe. And he said to him, Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding robe? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, Bind him hand and foot and throw him into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. A word from God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Lord, may a word be proclaimed through me or perhaps in spite of me this morning. Amen. So, um, if you've got kids or grandkids, uh, maybe this is just me, but do you all, is there, is there this time where you introduce your kids to the movies that meant something to you as you were growing up? Yeah, maybe so. I did that with all of my, my three olders, all the movies that I watched, you know, Back to the Future and Karate Kid and all that stuff. When they were old enough, I showed them those movies. Now, whether they liked them or not, I don't know. But, but Legend, our caboose, he is now getting to the age where I can start to do some of that. Most of those movies are PG-13, you know, and so it wasn't right. But this last week, I introduced him to the Rocky franchise. Rocky. Any Rocky fans? Yeah? Rocky's awesome, isn't it? You got to watch the whole thing, the whole series. So Rocky is this story. If you, if you don't know about Rocky, uh, you probably should rent the video. Uh, it's like an American tradition. Uh, but it's the story of this amateur boxer who comes from the streets of Philadelphia. And of course, he overcomes all the odds and becomes the heavyweight champion boxer of the world. And in the very first movie, Rocky One, we meet the protagonist, Apollo Creed. Now, Apollo holds the title. He is the heavyweight champion. He has taken out all his challengers 
Uh, he's, there's nobody else left to fight. And then he sees in the local newspaper some scrappy guy from the street that's calling himself the Italian Stallion. And so Apollo says, oh, I got to fight this guy, right? And so he, he decides to take him on. But, of course, Apollo doesn't take the fight seriously. He doesn't take it seriously. It's just another guy. And so while Rocky is in the meatpacking plant punching slabs of beef, Apollo is working with his team to make sure that the lights and the sound and, and the television crews are there. He wants the, the show just perfect. And so whenever they actually get into fight, you can imagine he is surprised that Rocky goes all 12 rounds. Now, Rocky doesn't win. If I'm ruining this for you, I'm sorry. But, you know, I think it came out in like 1978. So you, you probably should have seen it by this point. Rocky doesn't win the fight, but Apollo is really surprised. He shouldn't have been, but he was, that this guy was able to take him all 12 rounds. They have a, a saying for people like Apollo in a situation like this. Maybe you've heard it. The saying is, don't rest on your laurels. Have you heard that saying before? Do you know what that means? So in the Olympic Games, if you won, you would get a laurel wreath placed upon your head. So the meaning of that saying is, just because you hold a title or a position doesn't guarantee that you get to hold on to that. Don't rest on the fact that you have that title because it can be taken away from you. And in a nutshell, I think, this parable that Jesus gives us today in Matthew chapter 22, I think this, this is what it's saying in a nutshell. Don't rest on your laurels. This story... If you go back, we find that Jesus is speaking to, particularly to the religious leaders of the day. And this is the third of three parables that are given. And in all three parables, he's basically saying the same thing three different ways, through three different stories. But these were the folks that literally held the keys of the kingdom for all Jews in that time. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, the elders, the teachers of the law, right? These were the folks that maintained the temple. They made sure the temple was uh, kept up. They were the ones who conducted all the worship. They were the ones that preserved the scriptures by making sure they were copied down year after year onto fresh scrolls. These folks were the ones that held all of that in check and in control. They were the authority on religion for the Jewish people. And Jesus here, in this and the other two parables, I believe, is warning them, just because you hold the position, the title of religious leader, don't think that it can't be taken away from you and given to some scrappy street folks. Folks like tax collectors and fishermen and zealots, the disciples. Of course, we call ourselves disciples of Jesus, and so maybe it behooves us to read this story through the lens of discipleship. We can almost hear Jesus saying, don't think just because you have held the title of church for 2,000 years that it can't be taken away from you and given to somebody else. Of course, we have our breakfast club on Monday morning. We have our Theology on Tap on Thursday night. We have been talking about this passage of Scripture all week long. We even have a text thread uh, for the Breakfast Club 
And I mean, all week long, people have been going, maybe it means this, maybe it means this. On the, the Chosen episode, it came up, they were discussing it on The Chosen. And so we're like, what does this thing mean? Or what, what angle are we to look at here? What, what means what in the parable? And we didn't get all the answers to that. But one of the things that came up in the discussion is, why wouldn't these folks attend the party, the wedding banquet that was being thrown? I mean, parties are fun. The food is free. Who wouldn't go to a party? What kind of person ignores an invitation like that? What kind of person beats up the messengers who bring the invitations? What's going on here? Well, to answer that, I thought, you know, th- this is a tough text, and we're, we're spinning our wheels here. So what if, I, what if I looked at it through the lens of Apollo? What if, what if I asked that same question of Apollo? Why didn't Apollo take the fight with Rocky seriously? Why didn't he train for the fight? Why is it that in every David and Goliath story, the giant always underestimates the underdog? It always happens. And then they're surprised in the end. So I thought of some reasons. Okay, okay, why didn't Apollo train for the fight? Why didn't he take Rocky seriously? Well, perhaps pride was getting in the way. I mean, he was the champ. His favorite term for Rocky was chump, right? You're the champ. I'm the champ. You're the chump. And he kept calling him chump, 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 chump. So maybe pride was the issue there. Maybe Apollo had gotten too relaxed. He had beaten all of his opponents. All the challengers had been taken out of the way. And so maybe Apollo was just getting a little lazy. That's a possibility. Maybe Apollo disregarded the inevitable tide of change. Change is coming, folks. Change always comes. It's always coming. Boxers get older and new boxers come up. Uh, Boxing techniques and styles and ways of training are always in progress. And so maybe with Rocky being the future of boxing, maybe Apollo subconsciously was afraid of that scenario that he was getting older. Maybe it's a combination of all of those. But then I thought about one thing. What if the root problem for Apollo was that he had forgotten his love for the sport? What if he had forgotten that boxing once brought him joy? That he got into the sport because he was fascinated by it and fell in love with it. And now, at this point in his life... Boxing has just become an institution of interviews and photo shoots and management and branding and lights and sound and the love of boxing has been sucked out of it. And at this point, he's just got to maintain his career. And so this fight with Rocky is just another obligation to make sure that his name stays in the magazines and the papers. Meanwhile, Rocky, Rocky... This young guy who would love an opportunity to get into the big ring and fight in the big leagues. Man, he's in love. He's going to do all that he can to make sure that he enjoys this moment. Is it possible this is what Jesus is saying in this parable? Is it possible this is what he's saying to those first century religious leaders? You have forgotten what first drew you to the God of Israel. The God that hand chose you 
that picked your ancestors and said, I will be your God and you will be my nation and I will care for you and I will provide for you. And this is a relationship now. Have you forgotten who I am to you? And if that's true of those folks, is that true of the church today? Has the church forgotten its first love? Some people would say the steady decline of Christianity over the last 25 years is an indicator that it is a problem. What about us as individuals? What about me? What about you? Is Christ still your first love? You know, the Bible ends with a very strange book called Revelation. This book has got all the things you would want. Dragons and fires and uh, bad people and good people and dead people coming back to life and marks on your arm and forehead. But if you go back to the beginning of Revelation, it, it starts out by telling us this is a letter from John written to seven churches, which he calls lampstands. Lampstands on a hill. There are lights on a hill. And he says, look, this letter is for you, and I've got some critique. And so he begins with church number one and church number two and works through and gives a word of critique, critique to each of them. Listen to what he says to the church of Ephesus. He says, I know your works as well as your labor and steadfast endurance, and that you cannot tolerate evil. You have even put to the test those who refer to themselves as apostles but are not and have discovered that they are false. I'm also aware that you have persisted steadfastly, endured much for the sake of my name, and have not grown weary. Man, that's all fabulous stuff. That's really good stuff, Church of Ephesus. <laughs> but I have this against you. You have departed from your first love. Therefore, remember from what high state you have fallen and repent. Do the deeds you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Boy, does that sound a lot like the parable that Jesus just told to the Pharisees and Sadducees. It sure does. You have forgotten your first love. You forgot why you got into the game to begin with. Y'all are doing all the right things for all the wrong reasons. And if you don't get it right, I'm going to come and remove your lampstand from its place. You see, remembering your love, remembering why you got into this relationship to begin with, is key to producing good fruit. In fact, I think that the guy in the end who shows up at the party without his wedding robe I think that wedding robe represents the love for God. He's there. He's doing all the right things. He accepted the invitation, but he's not wearing the robe of love. And so Jesus says, look, just because you hold the title doesn't mean it can't be taken away and given to somebody else. This is a story that comes up in the Bible over and over and over there is some point, I don't know where, but I could find it probably pretty easy, where Jesus says, look, if nobody praises God, I'll let the rocks do it. I'll raise up rocks and they will praise me. Somebody's going to do it. God loves us. Somebody is going to return that 
and work for me with the right kind of attitude. If it needs to be rocks, so be it. If it needs to be scrappy disciples from the street, so be it. If it needs to be whoever, so be it. I will find somebody. And I think, gosh, why do we keep getting hit with these hard lessons? This is a hard text. All week long we've been talking about it, wrestling with it. What do we say about this? What, what's positive here? It's just a plain hard text. And it catches me off guard each week, but it shouldn't because we're in Lent. And the purpose of Lent is to evaluate your own life before the party of Easter arrives. Right? We don't want Easter to arrive and we're not in the right place. We want to make sure that our hearts and minds are correct. And so we've got 40 days to get it in line. And so some questions that we can ask of ourselves this morning and over the next few weeks as we draw closer and closer to the party of Easter are questions like, what first drew you to Jesus? What was it about Jesus that you first wanted to follow Him? Do you remember the first time you got that invitation to the party and how you felt about being invited? Do you still get a smile on your face when you think about that day? Does it fuel your day? Is it the reason you get out of bed in the morning? Because Jesus chose you that first day and said, come follow me. If not, what needs to happen to rekindle that fire? Maybe you've been following Jesus for a really, really long time and the relationship has gotten kind of stale or maybe ordinary. Maybe an invitation to the party is like, I've been to a million of those. I'm going to skip out on this one, okay, Jay? You know, maybe it's like that. What needs to happen to bring the joy and the excitement back? Now, let me tell you, Apollo had to lose his title to Rocky before he woke up from his sleep. It wasn't until he lost the title that he was able to regain his love for the sport and to do it simply for the pleasure of doing it. But we don't want to lose our title. We don't want to give that up. We don't want somebody else to take it from us. So what do we need to do to rekindle the flame before that happens? I'm going to ask you over the next couple weeks to evaluate these things. To ask God some questions. First question to ask is, God, have I been resting on my laurels? Do I think, because I'm secure in my salvation, or I've been walking with you for a long time, that it just means it's a, I can coast downhill from here? Because if so, I need to know that. Show me that. I don't want to rest on my laurels. Second question to ask is, God, will you restore the love and the sense of wonder and gratitude that I first felt? when I decided to follow you. Help me to remember those things and to say yes to that again. Folks, we are so privileged to be in service of the King. Do you know what it means to receive an invitation to the banquet? That's a big deal. And yet God invites us. And so my prayer for us is that we would never turn down an opportunity to join Him in whatever the invitation is for wherever it takes us that we say yes every single time and that we do it with enthusiasm and with pure joy. Yes, yes. 
Folks, remember your first love. I'm going to ask the band to come up. Let's pray. God, help us to remember our first love. Help us just to meditate on what we were thinking and feeling that day that we first felt called into discipleship. And then let that that feeling just wash over us. Rekindle the flame in us. Make the church your lampstand forever and always that burns bright on the hill for the world to see. We hear the critique this morning. We hear the words of Jesus and we take them seriously. And we thank you for them. And it is in his name that we pray. Amen. You all grab the hand of the person next to you. Just form a big chain. I would say a circle, but we can't quite do that. A big chain. That'll work. And will you receive this blessing this morning? May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. May you know that you're perfectly loved, completely forgiven, and uniquely empowered. And now you're called to go out into the world and be a lampstand for Jesus. As you do that, you're probably going to make some mistakes this week. We all do. But I need you to know, when you make those mistakes, it doesn't change how God feels about you. We're not talking about changing how God feels about you because God's very nature is love. So that when He looks at us, He says, Beloved, you guys are nothing but the best of the best of the best. And I think that if we could just remember that this week in those times of failure, we'll get back up and we'll head back out the door to do it all again, knowing that God loves us. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, please take that good word and go from this place in peace. Amen. Amen. Amen.